And now, Lord, we ask your blessing upon thy word. Speak once again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll take your Bibles with me, let's turn to 1 Peter. Our, we are continuing our study in 1 Peter, and we titled the series Alien Life. And of course, we discussed what that means, that basically we as believers are considered by Peter and, other, and, the, and Paul and other writers in the New Testament, we are all considered aliens in this world. This is not our home. We are foreigners. And so now, because we are foreigners in, in Christ, uh, that means that people who aren't like us, people who, who, the way we used to be, those who don't know Christ, they are going to turn on us as they did the Lord Jesus. And so now at this point in the letter, early in the letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 3, uh, I'm sorry, verses 6 through 9, 6 through 9, 6 through 9. It is in verse 6 that the apostle Peter introduces the problem of suffering. <clears throat> And then we will see as we progress through the letter that it is basically the major theme of, of, of what Peter is writing about. He's trying to encourage the saints that are spread all over the provinces and they're scattered, scattered because of persecution. And many of them didn't understand. They couldn't understand why would God allow this and as the Apostle Paul had the right to the church in Thessalonica, many of them were being told by certain ones in the church that, well, you're going through the tribulation right now. You know, Jesus is in, has already come or he hasn't come, and we were, you're going through the tribulation because they were experiencing the persecution. And so the Christians were struggling with this, and so... Peter wants to encourage their hearts, and I pray that this will encourage our hearts tonight as we uh, go through the various trials, as we heard of tonight by Denny and many others who have lost loved ones. And, and, uh, and again, as Brother Guy has shared about uh, just sharing his faith, that uh, you, can, you will get resistance many times, and, uh, and sometimes... You will you will be facing uh, the wrath of some, and because we we are of Christ, and so if you look with me now at verse one, I'm sorry, First Peter one verse six. Let's look at verse six together. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Here he begins to speak of trials. Now notice the beginning of verse 6. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. Now, what does he mean to greatly rejoice in? The trial itself, the various trials, in this you're going to greatly rejoice? Well, no, he's going to give the, the reason for rejoicing in verses 7 through 9. So we'll see that in a moment. 
So the great rejoicing is going to come later, but he's telling them there's something to rejoice about, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by, by trials, many trials. And he is, uh, and if you have a King James Version, various trials is translated manifold temptations, manifold temptations. However, that word translated temptations there uh, in the Greek, it, it actually refers to sorrow and grief and, 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 and suffering. Uh, so it, it doesn't have the idea of, of being tempted by Satan as it were to sin, but various, various trials. And so he mentions to them, he says, if necessary, you have been distressed by many various trials. And we just want to take a quick look around uh, some passages that remind us once again how suffering in the believer's life is to be expected. That I must expect it. I, I must understand that this is my life as an alien as, as someone who is now uh, a believer in Jesus Christ, I am a new creation. Therefore, I'm not of the world anymore. And I want us to look at some of these. Uh, and first one we'll look at is the Gospel of John. If you'll turn to the Gospel of John, this is what we've been studying in, uh, down at the men's Bible study on Wednesday nights. But John 15, if you'll turn to John 15, verse 20. John 15. And Jesus says to his disciples there in the upper room, Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all things they will do to you and these aren't nice things. But these are the trials that Peter's talking about. For my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. And if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. In other words, he's saying now that the Son of God has appeared, men are without excuse because Jesus is, is, is the light. He's brought the light. But notice he says, if they persecuted me, they, they will persecute you. Turn now to Acts chapter 14. We're going to move around a little bit here. Acts 14, 21. And we read the account here by Luke. As the book of Acts is written, 14, verse 21 and, <clears throat> you know, Paul, uh, they stoned Paul. They had just stoned Paul at Lystra here and dragged him out, supposing him to be dead. And then they stood around him. Actually, look at verse 20. But while the disciples stood around him, he, Paul, arose and entered the city. And the next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. 
And after they had preached the gospel to that city and had many, made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch. And here it is in verse 22. What did they do? Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. You know, Paul didn't mince words with the believers who were being persecuted and suffering. He didn't sugarcoat anything, just as Jesus, our Lord, didn't. He comes out, and what does he try and do to the hurting disciples, those that were believers? He strengthened the soul's of the disciples by what? Encouraging them to continue in their faith. In other words, don't give up. Continue to trust in the Lord. The Lord will see you through. Your suffering is to be expected. It's part of the experience in the Christian life because the world is against us. And so what a, what a beautiful thing to see how He encouraged them to continue in their faith, and then he reminded them, through many tribulations we must enter into the kingdom of God. So on our journey to the celestial city, as the term is used in Pilgrim's Progress, that wonderful story, we are on our way there to our heavenly home. On the way, there are going to be many persecutions and trials, and the evil one is going to come after us from all sides, and he's going to send his people to persecute and arm us. And I think think one of the greatest ministries we can have as believers is the ministry of encouragement. That's what he did. They came and they encouraged the saints, saying, stay strong in your faith. And I pray that we might consider that as a ministry to one another and to others in our church to other believers that we know who may be suffering, struggling, and they're battling, you know, the enemy and whatever it is in their life, that we might try and encourage them in their faith. Come alongside them and say, the Lord is with you. We are praying for you. And the Lord has a plan and purpose. So here, Apostle Paul made it, as he encouraged the disciples, made it clear that there are going to be many tribulations on the way to the heavenly kingdom. Now turn to 2 Timothy with me. 2 Timothy, because these all tied together. Paul's now writing to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. He now writes to Timothy this young evangelist. But you, 2 Timothy 3.10, but you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, verse 11, persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. We just read about that in Acts. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. And then he says, verse 12, And indeed, 
All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And then just verse 13 here, uh, Guy was uh, referring to this as he was sharing. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to what? To worse, deceived, uh, deceiving and being deceived. So basically, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, my young uh, fellow servant in the faith, you are going through persecution and will go through it much like I have. And he's preparing him. No doubt he already said that, that you followed my teachings and persecutions and suffering. So Timothy must have, uh, have, have endured some suffering to this point in his own uh, life. But he reminds Timothy that the Lord is going to deliver somehow, some way. And of course, uh, Brother Denny shared that God, there are different ways God delivers, isn't there? Sometimes he will deliver physically in this world, but sometimes the deliverance actually comes when we leave this earth. And through death, we are taken away from the suffering, away from the persecution. And so he reminds him again in verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's to be expected. So turn back with me now to 1 Peter. We see all these references to what is to be expected, and so Peter himself makes reference to these various trials. And if you go back to 1 Peter 1, verse 6, notice he said, even though now for a little while, and there's two important words in there, if necessary. Do you see that? If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Why is the words, why are those words in there? If necessary. When we see those words, if necessary, that tells us that there is purpose. That he's talking about purpose in suffering, purpose in persecution for the believer and the various trials that will come our way. But if necessary means that God feels that certain persecutions or suffering, whatever we're going through, is necessary, if, ne- if it's necessary for some of us. Some may not go through as deep waters as others. Some of us won't be as persecuted as others will or won't feel the pain and the attacks uh, like others will. But God, for his own purpose, says some of these things, remember, are necessary. And then he's going to go through why they're necessary in the next few verses here as he talks about the, the trials. But look at verse 7 now with me. He speaks the, the trials that may be necessary because God is sovereign and God, as a merciful God, allows things in our, our life. For this reason, now he gives the reason for greatly rejoicing 
that he mentioned in verse 6. Verse 7. This is what you rejoice in. That the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here, Peter gives the reason, one of the reasons to greatly rejoice. It's that God is using the persecutions and suffering in our life to prove our faith, to test our faith, to test the genuineness of it. And so he is using it for a great purpose. And, he, and notice he says what our faith is to the Lord. It's more precious than gold which perishes, Perish, which is perishable, even though the faith is tested by fire. Even though the faith is tested by fire. You know, we, we're, we're trying to understand, is, is God really sovereign and in control of all things? Because sometimes you feel like he isn't. If you look at your situation sometimes and, and you're praying and you're calling out to the Lord and, or you look at the world, that's what's going on in the nations around us, and we, <clears throat> we look out there and go, Lord, where are you? Lord, it looks like you're not in control at all. We see the, the evil nations, the nations that hate God and are persecuting Christians all over the world. I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 9. Let's go to the Old Testament here. And if you go to Exodus 9, a very interesting passage in Exodus 9 verse 13. Here is, of course, the account where Moses has to go before Pharaoh. And so the Lord is speaking to Moses and telling him that he is going to be sending plagues. Now Moses has to go and talk to Pharaoh and tell him what is going to happen because of Pharaoh's hardened heart. Now we already know. Here's, here's one thing. What, what do we know about Pharaoh's hardened heart. Who hardened his heart? The Lord. Remember? The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, it's not like God is just going to do that on purpose and that Pharaoh had no control over it. Uh, he, Pharaoh was in this situation because of his own wickedness, his own wicked heart. And there, therefore, God said, you are gonna, this is the way you're going to stay and I'm going to keep your heart hardened. And there is a purpose in it. And look at the purpose here in verse 13 concerning Pharaoh, God's purpose for Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For this time, I will send all my plagues on you and your servants and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. 
So God is telling Moses, you tell Pharaoh that I, I want him to know that I am, the, I am God. That there's no one like me in all the earth. And then verse 15. Now if, for if by now I had, I had put forth my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, you would have been cut off from the earth. The Lord is saying through Moses, telling Pharaoh, I could wipe you out right now if I wanted to. I could remove you and all, the, all of Egypt right now off the face of the earth with pestilence, with disease. Verse 16. But indeed, for this cause, there's purpose right there, God's eternal purpose and plan. For indeed, for this cause, I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. What is the Lord saying here to Pharaoh? The message is, there's a reason why I haven't wiped you out. It's because I am going to show you who I am. He, he, he basically says, I want to show you, Pharaoh, my power, that I'm in total control. And so here we see that God is in control of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And so he is for all the presidents and rulers all over the world today. Who's in control? Are they? Yes, we know Satan, this is his world now, because it's a fallen world. And he's called the prince of this world. And so he, he is allowed to move and, and, do, and, and, and persecute God's people and, and bring suffering into their lives like he did Job. And he is allowed to do these things, but it's all under the sovereignty of God, under the will of God. And so if, it's, if there's evil that comes against us, it is by the sovereign will of God. Peter, again, remember he said, if necessary. And the, the reason our trials many times are necessary is to prove our faith, to test our faith, which is more precious than gold. And how is gold purified? Of course, we all know this. It gets, of course, purified by heat. By fire. The greater the heat gold is put under, the more impurities come out and fall out of the gold so that the gold is pure and pure in the, in the furnace. And so it is for you and I. We, God allows us to be put in a furnace of affliction for a, a purpose that sometimes we, we don't understand why, but we know this, that he is trying to strengthen and purify our faith because to him it's the most valuable thing we have, our faith and trust in the Lord. In fact, turn with me to Job chapter 1 real quick. Go to Job 1 and then we'll go back to First Peter. Here in Job chapter 1, And we'll just look at the two verses, 9 and 10. 
And, and actually, we'll go to, uh, to 12, 9 through 12. You know the scene. Satan is in heaven. He's allowed to be in heaven before God. And verse 9, then Satan answered the Lord, because God, uh, the Lord had already said to Job, hey, have you con- I said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth, blameless and upright. Satan said, does Job fear God for nothing? There's a reason why. In other words, Satan's saying that Job, Job fears you and obeys you and honors you. Hast thou not made a hedge about him, verse 10, and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the works of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. So where does blessing come from? It comes from the hand of God, the Lord. Any blessing that you and I have is from the hand of the Lord. But now Satan says, but put forth thy hand now and touch all that he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, and here's the permissive will of God in verse 12. Behold, the Lord says to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him physically. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. And we know the rest of the story that Trial upon trial fell upon Job because Satan began his work. And what was Satan's ultimate purpose? It was to get Job to curse God. That's it. Basically, to say, I'm done with this. It's too much. His faith, Job's faith, was being put in the furnace of affliction. The question is, Would his faith hold up or would it fall apart? Satan thought, this is just a fake faith. He's trusting God because everything's rosy in his life. Everything's great and perfect. And uh, wow, this is wonderful, uh, you know, a wonderful life. But once the trials come and it came to Job and he was put in the furnace of affliction and being tested. It is then that his faith was proven. It was proven to Satan and to all the angels and to the world that his faith was in God, even though he could not understand why God was allowing what he was allowing. And that's what Peter's trying to get across to his readers. You may not understand why, but there but one thing you do know, that your faith, God is concerned about our faith being tested and put to the test so that it may come forth like gold. As Job said then, when he has tried me, right, I shall come forth as what? As gold. And many of you, I've seen many of you here who've gone through the fires And I have seen you, many of you, many in our church, come forth as gold. I have seen the gold of your faith. I look around here tonight, and I see some of you, and I know your stories. I know what you've been through. You've shared them with me. We've prayed for you. And 
you know, you, you, you wonder how you even got here. But the Lord allowed the, uh, the enemy to test you, allowed your faith to be tested. But here you are tonight. You have not turned away from the Lord, but you've drawn closer to the Lord. And your faith has been strengthened. And what does it do? It brings glory and honor to the Lord Jesus. And so I want to turn back now to 1 Peter. Go back to 1 Peter with me, if you would. And he continues on here in... In 1 Peter chapter 1, again, and look at verse, the rest of verse 7, 8, and 9 with me. That the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at what? The revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, Here's faith in verse 8. You haven't seen him, but you love him. Though you, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, your faith that has been tested, the salvation of your souls. That day is coming. When we will stand in his presence. And he says, Peter is saying, here you are, you're going through the trials, you're being tested. And yet, though you've never seen Jesus, you love him. Though you don't see him now, you believe in him. You and I, we trust and believe in the Lord Jesus whom we've never seen. But we're longing for the day when we shall see him. And Peter is saying, the day's coming. The day's coming, and one day you will rejoice in his presence. And you will see that your, the testing of your faith, the trials you've been through, will bring glory and honor and praise to the Lord Jesus Christ when you see him. How do we know that? There at the end of verse 7. That the testing of your faith, though tested by fire, may be found to result. Here's the result of all the testing and the trials of our life. It will result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When he returns, when we stand in his presence face to face, you and I are going to see our Savior, whom we, whom we love yet we've never seen. You and I are going to stand before him. We are going to fall on our knees and bow before him. We're going to cast the crowns he's given us for rewards for the testing of our faith. We will receive reward for that, but we're going to cast it at his feet. And the thing, the greatest thing that we can give him when we see him is an abiding faith that we had on earth. That through the fire, we didn't turn our back on him. Through the fires of testing and persecution, we continued on with the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we will be able to present to him 
our purified faith. And we will have, uh, have completed our salvation because we will then be glorified. And we'll be able to give him this faith because that's what he's looking to. And it's going to bring praise and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ when he appears. Dear Christian, tonight as we close, you may be feeling in yourself in that fire right now, tonight. Some kind of fire, some kind of affliction, some kind of persecution, whatever it may be. And Satan is wanting you like Job, thinking he he can get you to turn against God and to say, okay, I might as well not trust you because of all this is happening to me and this pain and struggle. And we we could suddenly say, all right, I'm just going to try and make it on my own, Lord, because I, I, I've, I've prayed, I've trusted you, but, but look what's happened to me. Or we can be like Job, and we can stay strong, allowing our faith to be strengthened through the fire so that we can, as we remember, Lord, I am being tested by your the your perfect will allowing this to happen and you have a purpose in it so that I might be purified in my faith and ultimately this that I might be conformed to the image of his son may that be our prayer Lord make me more like your son through the fire let's pray together Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the encouragement you give us through your precious word, through the words you gave Peter to write. Father, that we must understand that in this life we will go through many various trials and tribulations and fire. Yet, Lord, you have a purpose and a plan as you test our faith And Father, I pray that we might come forth like gold just as Job did. And we might continue to trust in you no matter what our eyes see, no matter what our body feels, no matter what our mind thinks. Lord, that we might have confidence in your sovereign love for us and your perfect will. And that you work all things together for good because We love you, and we are called according to your purpose. Strengthen us, we pray, in our faith tonight as we leave this place. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.